Proverbs 15. We'll read our verse, Proverbs 15 and verse number 3. Proverbs 15 and verse 3. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to worship you. Thank you for this service. God, I pray that you'd help me as I preach now, speak to our hearts. Father, if there's someone here today that's depending on religion or depending upon being a good person or perhaps having been baptized for salvation, help them to see today that that is not your plan. Help them to understand that they must trust you as their savior. Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts concerning You being omnipresent. Help me as I preach. Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Heard a story about a man who was a surfer and he was out on the waves and he was by himself. And uh, before he went out into the ocean, he noticed this very, very large man on the beach who seemed to be by himself on the beach and he was practicing martial arts moves. And as this man got out into the ocean and he was floating on his surfboard, all of a sudden it seemed like out of nowhere, this really small child, it seemed like a small little kid came paddling up on this little surfboard. Hey, how's it going? And he struck up a conversation and he's looking around and he's thinking there's nobody on the beach except this one man. Those little kids out here, he's so small. A little kid said, how long have you been surfing? He told him, and he asked the little boy, he's like, how long have you been surfing? Seven years. How old are you? Eight. (laughs) Couldn't believe how confident this little kid was out on this huge ocean. He was really confused by it. Came out of nowhere, it seemed like. So the man asked the little boy, he's like, how'd you get here? Oh, my dad. Where's your dad? He waves at the giant man on the beach. Hey, dad. Dad waves back. Hey, son, you doing okay? Yeah, I'm okay. And he began to realize that's why the little boy was so confident. Because his enormous father was right there. Sometimes as Christians, we forget how enormous our Heavenly Father is. Oftentimes when we begin to think about the fact that God is everywhere and he sees all things, it's very easy to think about that in a negative way. But like the little boy on the surfboard, we need to begin thinking of God as the all-powerful Father who is there to watch over us. When we're talking about victory over temptation, we've been studying this over the last couple of weeks. And each sermon 
is an installment in the recipe on how to have victory over temptation. Doesn't matter what that temptation is in your life. There is no temptation that has taken you, but is as common to man, and I'm paraphrasing the verse. But it is, there is no temptation that's taking us that, that, that is not common to man, that God has not given us a way to escape. There's no temptation that we can look at in our life and think, that is too big for me. That will kill me. That will have its way with me. There is nothing that we can look at and think, I have no choice but to do this. Or I have no choice but to allow this temptation to come and have its way with my life. When we're looking at the simple points of victory, we can look at them as we break down the word victory into several points. The first lesson that we learned was we must be vigilant against sin. So many times we go through life and we're not even allowing God to speak to us on whether or not something is sinful in our life or whether or not it will lead to a sinful temptation. Next, we must imagine the consequences. Before we do that thing, we need to allow God to show us from his word and teach us You need to imagine what's going to happen if you tell that lie. You need to imagine what's going to happen if you have that lustful thought. You need to imagine what's going to happen if you go ahead and say that thing to that person. You need to imagine what's going to happen if you go to that website or if you send that message to that person and so on and so forth. We need to imagine the consequences. Satan does not want us to imagine the consequences. He only wants us to picture how much fun it might be to do the thing we're being tempted to do. That's it. He only wants us to focus on the pleasure. One way that we know that God loves us so much is because he doesn't focus on the pleasure. There goes the speaker. He doesn't focus on the, on the pleasure, but instead he tells us the end of the story. He doesn't just show us how much fun it's going to be. He doesn't do that. He kind of wipes that away and he shows us the consequences. We need to cry out to God. This needs to be a habit that we develop in our Christian life. It doesn't matter what the temptation is. To lose your temper, to let out a string of profanity, to... Go somewhere we shouldn't go or to do something we shouldn't do. It doesn't matter what the temptation is. We need to learn to ask God to help us. Last time we talked about taking thoughts captive. We need to learn to take every thought captive. We talked about the four second rule. that when a, Because the thoughts can be so subtle and they can be so sweet. And they can come into your mind and you can think, oh, I really want to do that. And you just want to kind of let that sinful thought just kind of sit there and you just want to think about it and you want to kind of imagine the world tells us that there's nothing wrong with fantasies and yet God tells us to take every thought captive within four seconds we need to allow the Lord to remind us and show us nope that's wrong that is going to lead to sinful desires because when we have thoughts We have sinful thoughts. 
Sinful thoughts turn into sinful desires. Sinful desires turn into sinful actions. And sinful actions turn into habits. And habits turn into destiny or this is our life. This is the direction of our life. It all starts with our thoughts. What we're going to look at today is the next installment in our recipe for victory, which is observe the omnipresence of God. Observe the omnipresence of God. The eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. Now, God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. It says that in John chapter 4. God literally does not have eyes. He's a spirit. But it describes him in this way because we, we can understand this. That God has eyes. And that he sees. We need to understand that God is everywhere. He's everywhere all at the same time. Sometimes we might could wish on a busy day that we could be in more than one place at one time accomplishing more than one thing. But the Lord has never had this problem. Our God is omnipresent. Omni meaning all, present meaning, we know what present means. He's everywhere at the same time. So when we sin and we fall to that temptation, is God's presence there with us? Yes. His eyes are there beholding the evil and the good. My question is, do we realize his presence is there with us? When we say that thing, do that thing, think those thoughts, look at that, or whatever it may be. Most of the time we do not think about God's presence being there. We need to understand, and we're going to look at a few scriptures this morning. We need to understand that our sin separates us from God's goodness, from God's blessings, and from the awareness of God. Let's look at Genesis 3 and verse number 8. We're going to look at a few verses this morning as we think about God's presence. God is everywhere. He's there when you're being tempted. He's there when you choose the right thing. He's there when you choose the wrong thing. But we need to realize that something begins to happen to us when we sin. Genesis 3 and verse number 8. Look what the result was with Adam and Eve, with the very first sin. When they sinned, did they act the same towards God as they did before the sin? Genesis 3 and verse number 8. They heard the voice 
of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And then interesting what sin does. Was God still there? Yeah. Was God there when they sinned? Yeah. But the awareness of God's presence was not there. You see, one of the, one of the tricks of Satan is that we as Christians need to live in the awareness of God's presence. We, call, we often talk about walking with God. And that's a Bible term. Walking with God is not just reading your Bible in the morning and praying. It is intentionally seeking God during those moments, looking for his spirit in as we read his word and as we pray, allowing God to speak to our heart, but then going throughout our day as if we are walking with him. The Bible says in in 1 Thessalonians 5 to uh, pray without ceasing doesn't mean that you should never talk to anybody else and you should always be praying. It means that you should always be walking with an open communication line with God. Is there anything more frustrating than trying to call somebody on their phone and they don't answer the phone? Now, generally, we don't call each other. Nowadays, we usually text message or use some other app. But oftentimes... When we go into that sin, it's as if God is trying to get our attention to his awareness or to his presence, sorry. God is trying to let us know, I'm here, don't do that. By sinning, you're going to fracture the relationship. And it's like he can't get our attention. It's like Satan has, he's, he's tempting us. We're distracted. Our phone's over there and it's buzzing and ringing, but we're looking over here at the TV, so to speak. And when Satan tempted Adam and Eve with the fruit, was God still in the garden? Yeah. Were they aware that he was there? They weren't thinking about it, were they? What were they thinking about? Wow. Look at that fruit. Now, some people say it was an apple. Scripture doesn't say it was an apple. It doesn't really matter what it was. It's amazing how in the temptation of whatever it is, Satan tempts us with something that he knows that we personally are vulnerable to. We like it and we want to do it. And he makes it look like it would be the most amazing thing if we did that. If we could go with those friends and do that thing and experience that and go to that place and, 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 do, and it doesn't matter. And one thing leads to another thing, leads to another thing. And what happens after we bite the fruit, after we fall to the temptation? What happens? Well, now we are running, hiding from the presence of God. Pastor, I have a question. That person stopped coming to church. Does that mean they're not really saved? We as human beings have a hard time making that call. We don't know whether, whether someone's saved or not. But we can say this. They most likely are choosing a sin 
Now, it may be they're going somewhere else to church, and that's one thing. But if someone altogether has stopped going, we can see from Scripture that, that when someone is choosing sin and they fall to the temptation, they're hiding themselves from the presence of the Lord. Isn't that true? John, chapter 3. We looked at John 3 a little bit this morning. John three nineteen and 20. And this is the condemnation that light is coming to the world. Speaking of Jesus. And men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light. Neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth, notice truth and light. The word light is replaced here with truth. The Bible defines itself. Is that true? But he that doeth, doesn't say light, he that doeth truth. What is truth? Jesus said in John 17, 17, thy word is truth. He that doeth truth cometh to the light that his deeds may be made manifest that they are wrought in God. Meaning if I am walking in truth, I'm walking in the light and I'm walking towards the light. I'm walking in truth and I'm walking towards the truth. I'm attracted to truth. I want the truth. I want to be with God. Listen, I want to be with God's people. I want to experience God's presence. I'm not running and hiding. I heard one preacher say this about Adam and Eve. Adam was given several jobs. He was given the job to name the animals and to care for the garden. And when he sinned, he ran into the forest. He ran into the garden. And he made the application, and this could be understood this way. He ran into his work. Oh, pastor, I can't come to church. I'm working. Oh, really? Okay. Sounds like to me you're not running towards the light. Sounds like to me perhaps you fall into the temptation of maybe money. Oh, I got to take care of my family. Well, sometimes that is true. Sometimes we're running away from the presence. Because listen, friend, by the way, the kind of church that we need to strive to have is the kind of church where Jesus is here. His presence is felt and known. His presence is embraced. And we do that when we embrace the truth because the truth is light. Our sin separates us from God's goodness, from the blessings, from the awareness of God. So many times we want a technique. Pastor, I read the Bible and I don't understand it. I'm going to go on YouTube and try to find out some life advice. How do I feel better? Well, we need to ask as a Christian, we need to ask ourselves the question. Am I living in sin? Have I sinned and I'm separated from God's presence? Because every good gift and every perfect gift cometh from above. All of the blessings of this life that we desire are from him. And if sin has separated me from God, I'm not going to experience the fullness of God's blessing in my life. I'm not going to experience joy and love and peace and long suffering and goodness and faith and meekness. 
I'm not going to experience these things. This fruit are not going to abound in my life. I'm not going to be able to communicate with God. I'm going to be able to just kind of distance myself from these things and try to fix my problems in other ways. And so I'm going to look for a little mind technique. And boy, the internet is absolutely full of them. Usually they have millions of views because a lot of people want to have little mind techniques. If you can control your mind, let me teach you to control your mind. Some internet guru will tell you. And you've usually got a bunch of degrees. You know what? Honestly, in some cases, they might be right. Here's the problem. We can't do it. By ourselves. we can't control our own mind. We need God's help against the temptation to sin and for the, to live the life that God wants us to live. Just because they're identifying a technique doesn't necessarily mean that we have the discipline and the strength to do the technique because if we could, we wouldn't be feeling this way. Walk in the light. Notice in Romans 2, Look at the effect of sin. Romans 2, 4 through 6. I want us to see the effect of sin. When we sin, it separates us from God. When we sin, we begin to run away from the presence, we don't want the awareness. Verse four, or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance, but after thy hardness and impenitent heart, treasurest up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to every man according to his deeds. Speaking of unsaved people here, it should not surprise us the hardness of people's heart towards God. The Bible says the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. We, listen, we should not mistake the hardness of, a, of an impenitent sinner, meaning someone whose heart has not been turned and changed. We should not mistake a a hard heart for a declaration of truth. Meaning this, we should expect unbelievers, we should expect the saved who are not living in obedience to the truth and walking in the light, we should expect their heart to be hard towards the things of God. And they will look at us and our sensitive conscience. And they will look at us at our sensitive heart. And they will look at us at our sensitivity to God's presence. And they will not understand it. They will mock our sensitivity. They will even call us somehow that we're the ones that are wrong by not being sensitive to their desire to sin, some weirdness like that. And on and on and on it goes. When somebody makes blasphemous statements, when somebody says crazy things about faith 
crazy things about God, we shouldn't take their, the strength of their statement as being truth, like they understand something that we don't. Sin makes you hard. It doesn't give you wisdom. It doesn't give you perception. It's not like you now see things that no one else sees. It's so interesting sometimes when you try to talk to people about the Lord, how fast the venom comes out. A very nice person all of a sudden now, they're just looking at you and glaring and saying angry things, accusing you of things you've never said or done. Remember seeing on the news one time where this man, something tragic had happened and, and he was saying, well, I, I prayed to God, but God didn't answer. Some tragedy happens in this world and it, and it is terrible things. And some people look at Christians and say, where was your God? My God's right here with me. Where's your God? You can't distance yourself from God in a heart of hardness and anger and defiance and then blame God for all the bad things that happen to you. You're reaping the fruit of your choices. This is on a personal level, on a family level, on a community level, on a country level. It's on every level. Isaiah 59 verses 1 through 2 says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. Neither is ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God. And your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. Let me just say this in regards to church. I would, I would not go to a, sin, a church that did not talk about sin. You want to celebrate the presence of God without ever talking about sin? You are faking it, my friend. Let me say that again. You want to celebrate the presence of God without ever talking about sin? You are faking it. That is not the presence of God. That may be an amazing worship band. Come on now. Am I telling the truth right now or not? Help me out. By the way, conservative or progressive, I don't care either one. There are some of the most conservative churches in the world still don't talk about sin. They just talk about how incredibly awesome they are. You've got some others who are really progressive and they talk about sin and they confess their sin and they cry out to God for their sin and they have worship service and it may not necessarily look like something that, that, that we would be completely familiar with, but God is there. We can't sit there and say that it's a stylistic thing. It's sin that separates us from God. Well, brother, man, we can be so holy sometimes. We have to ask ourselves, am I falling to this temptation because 
I've fallen to the temptation in the past and I've never confessed it. Meaning God is my power source. He's my power bank, right? We've moved into this new house and it's a great house, but horror of all horrors. There are no outlets in the washroom, in the bathroom. That doesn't affect my gorgeous hair. Just teasing. Right? Doesn't for affect my morning routine. I don't need to plug anything in. I wake up looking this good. Well. <laughs> Sometimes we're shocked. God, help me with this temptation. He's like, hey, you need to go back a little bit to when you first stepped into that. It, by the way, for some people, this year's. We've never gone back and said, God, when I first made this choice, we're years, we're years in the making of a mess. And we're wondering, why do I fall to this thing so fast? Why do I get angry so quick? Why do I get so lustful so quick? Why can I can't, can't control my thought life? Some people, it's drugs. Some people, it's illicit relationships. They find something, they immediately, they walk into a new situation, a business trip or anything. And they just, they immediately find that other person who's so lustful and they immediately find each other and hook up. And they feel so guilty and so awful and they don't want to live like that. For some people it's drugs, for some people it's anger, some, some people it's just, it's lying and I need to go to a therapist. No, you don't need to confess your sin. God is the power source, not the therapist. Therapists can give really good advice sometimes. It's not scripture, we need to understand that. You go to the therapist and it's like, well, I still, I can't, I just, I can't. Well, I did, but I did, but, 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 but. it's like, where's God in all this? Where's God in all this? Well, I can't get control over it, so I'm just going to ask for a prescription. You wouldn't know the presence. Of... Am I telling the truth right now? Look, there's either power in the cross or there isn't. There's either power in the cross or there isn't. Before we run to the therapist and ask for the prescription, let's run to the cross, ask God if there's some unconfessed sin in our life. And if we've done that, and if we have been honest with God, and we are trying to walk in the awareness of God's presence, and we are trying to walk, then let's try to seek medical. Amen. The apostle Paul traveled with St. Luke, who was a medical doctor. God invented science. He invented science. He created science. All these scientists are so smart, I can't even understand half of what they're saying. But we need to keep in mind, they are discovering what was already there with their big brains. God is the one who put it there for them to discover. He made us body, soul, and spirit. And so many times we're dealing with a spiritual problem, but we're trying to approach it from a, ver- from, from a perspective of soul and body. Well, if I get special creams, maybe I'll feel better. I'm sure special creams make you feel good. You need to eat more clean. Eat clean. Eat as clean as you can, as you can afford. Am I telling the truth right now? Eating organic chicken will not solve a sin problem. I'm preaching right now. Is this the truth? 
Is this the truth? Take care of your body. God's given us a body. Take care of your soul. Take care of your soul. God's given us a soul. He's given us emotions. We ought to be aware of our emotions and take care of them. Amen. It's true. But we must not mistake taking care of these things that the world may be able to teach us something about. We must not mistake that for being spiritual care. Spiritual care is something different entirely. And the reason why we are spiritually broken is because we have sinned against God. Now, there's two positions here. We need to understand this problem from two perspectives. One, if you have never trusted Christ as your Savior, your sin, the root of your sin problem has never been dealt with. Ye must be born again. We have to be born again by the Spirit of God. We're never going to have victory over sin, over the temptation. We can excuse it. We can learn to live with it. And we won't. So many people start to self-medicate in order to take their brain somewhere else. Some people move to another place trying to run away from their problems. So many people do. They live a tortured existence. Why? Because they've never been saved. They believe in God. They believe in Jesus as in they believe in his existence. They believe maybe the Bible is true, but they've never come to him personally. Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know I deserve judgment for my sin. But I'm trusting what you did for me on the cross to save me from my sin. If you do that, honestly, you've done that. You're now a Christian. You're born again. And your spirit is now saved. But here's the problem. You're still in this body and your body is still tempted. And especially if you've created some bad habits from your past life, you're, you're going to be tempted even more. And God's grace is sufficient for us. We can cry out to God and he will help us. And he can give us victory over any temptation. There was a day where any married person has looked at their future spouse and looked at each other and said, I choose you. I do. That's what it means to be saved is you go to Christ spiritually and say, I accept you as my savior. Please save me. But there's maintenance that must be done in any relationship. And that's what it means to confess our sin as a Christian. Sin does separate us from God. And there is no technique, there is no therapy, there is no drug that will take care of that. The blood of Christ alone deals with sin. That's it. And it's done by faith. So I'm going to give you one point. Pastor, I want three points. I'm going to give you one point. We just need one. What's the one point? What's the one thing I need to do? Because I could give you three or five or 10 or 15. But if we're going to have victory over temptation, we need to learn to simply learn how to walk 
in the presence of the Lord. So number one, on a one-point sermon, begin practicing the presence of God by praying or talking to the Lord throughout the day. Here's a question. When in your week are you aware of God's presence? When are you aware? And you would honestly say, well, it's at this time or on this day or maybe on Sunday morning in church. I'm aware that I'm here and and I'm thinking about God. We need to learn to take that awareness of God and develop it so that now it's something that we walk with throughout our life. Some people are in constant awareness of something all the time. Some people are driving down the road thinking, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I want to be really polite. I don't want to get honked at. Do you care if you get honked at? It's a thing. In Toronto, you have to honk at people. It's, it's communication. It's basic communication. Right? Absolutely. We walk in, some, some people walk in this constant awareness of, oh, uh, uh, let me look at my notes. <laughs> I can't remember what I said. They walk in this constant awareness of, um, oh, I want to be perceived as being a, 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 a person that is polite, or I want to be perceived as someone who is, is, is in control of themselves, or I want to be perceived as someone who is, is sharp-dressed, or, or, or someone who is refined or sophi- sophi- sophisticated, I can't even say it, sophisticated or whatever it may be. And it's like we're always walking around thinking about how other people see us. And when we're talking about developing this in our life, about walking in the awareness of God, we need to be walking throughout the day thinking about the fact that God is with us and God sees us. Begin practicing the presence of God by praying or talking to the Lord throughout the day. This begins with a daily quiet time when you intentionally seek the Lord through prayer, and through his word. Start the day. Have you ever had this happen before? You get up, you read the Bible, you pray, and as soon as you walk out the door, it just goes bad. It's like you never spent time with the Lord. Your joy is gone, something happens. You get that text message or that email, or that person at work says something to you. You're walking with joy on, onto the subway and you get on the subway and somebody, they're very rude. And you just, Bleh! or at least inside you do that. Right? I'm happy today. I'm happy today for Jesus Christ is happy. To, and, and, and you're getting on the road and you're in your car and all of a sudden that person, yeah, and it's like you, it's like you never read your Bible that morning. You never pray and you're like, what happened? What is going on? This is the challenge of walking in Christ, walking in the Spirit. 
We can have the intention of meeting the Lord in that quiet place. But we need to have the intention of meeting him and then walking with him out of the quiet place. Some of us, where you need to start, you come to church and that's amazing. And you meet the Lord here on Sundays. And that's amazing. And maybe for you, the next step is you need to focus on trying to have a daily quiet time. Maybe you do it a couple of times a week and that's awesome. But you find yourself, when you skip, you find yourself slipping into that temptation or slipping into those feelings of, of, of not feeling worthless or whatever it may be. And you slip into these things, into these temptations. And so for you, it's just daily quiet time. You need to establish that habit. You say, Pastor, I do that, but it's just, I fall and, and, I, and I fall into the temptation, whatever it may be. You need to be able to meet the Lord there and then walk with him throughout the day. Bring him with you. Don't keep him there in your spot in your house with your Bible. Close your Bible and Jesus stays there. That's not the way it's supposed to be. We're supposed to be walking with him throughout the day. Look at this last verse and then we'll be done. Philippians, we know this. We can quote this probably. Philippians 4 and verse number 13. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. It's one thing to be intentional about meeting him in that spot and praying in that spot and allowing the Lord to speak to your heart through his word in that spot in the morning. But it's another thing entirely to say, God, I need your help to walk with you and to be aware of your presence as I go about my day. And that is the next step of progression in walking in the omnipresence of God. Let's pray together.